This is a podcast from Minute Media. In the fall each year we all congregate The bounce all gathered at the church of Pilgrim The scriptures reading from the book of Munson Our favorite verse, my God, a freshman German can obnoxious, what you'll face Ain't nothing finer in the land Now the 3,000 of our best friends It's Saturday in that thing Welcome to the Saturday in Athens podcast, where a Georgia Bulldogs show by dogs fans for dogs fans. I'm your host, Herschel Gurley, and we are fired up today in the next installment of our Georgia Story interview series to be joined by John King. John is a proud graduate of the University of Georgia. He is a songwriter, a recording artist, and his album, Always Gonna Be You, is available for you to purchase or stream everywhere that you do those things online. So, John, welcome to the show, brother. We're fired up to have you. Dude, thank you so much for having me, man. It's a pleasure to be here. I want to ask you the same thing that we have asked all of our guests since late in the evening on January 10th, 2022. What was it like for you this year to experience the dogs run and them finally getting off the 1980 schneid and, and winning the national title? Dude, it's so weird. It's like one of those things that I don't know if you really know how much it means to you until it happens like that. Like you always talked about how great it'd be to be living and see the dogs win a national championship. Cause you know, I was born in 88. So it, for me, like I, I have no memories of like those kind of glory years there in the eighties at all. You know, my dad's told me about it, my uncles, and it's been to feel like we have something of our own, you know, it feels like we, you know, it, it's just a, such a special thing to be a part of. And, you know, when you looked out in the stands after that game, you saw all these like grown men just like crying like babies. And it was like, that's why, man, it's, it really is like a, I don't know, it's kind of like a burden off our shoulders. Like this whole curse that Georgia sports had for a while that we wanted to call it a curse. You know, it's like, it's broken. And, you know, with Georgia doing what they did and the Braves too, like in the same year, it's been so exciting to be a part of that. So I know it's tough when you're an artist because Saturdays are days that you're performing or you're traveling and, and fall, <laughs> falls especially. But did you get the chance to, to see most of the games or at least watch them on replay? Like, how does that usually work? We ask all of our musicians that come on, like, if you have a show, same time as the game, like, are you getting score updates in the in-ears? Like, what's your what's your experience? What's your process with that? Yeah, I try. I'm like one of those guys that's like, you know, call my dad after the show, like, don't tell me, like, I haven't watched it yet, you know, like DVR. Uh, it, you know, that's usually kind of like our after show, you know, hang rituals, like, hey, let's catch up on the game. And uh, sometimes, you know, if it's like an early afternoon show, like, and we might have a, a late night, you know, or something late night that we can like catch it before. But yeah, we're using that is the, the downfall, right? Like, we're always working on Saturdays. <laughs> yeah. so it's catch up, but no, man, it kind of makes it fun too, though, because you get to like, look forward to that on the road and like my brother is my drummer so like we're huge dog fans like everything like we're always like swagged out on game days like for sound check and you know we'll come out in our georgia gear for shows so it's fun man it's like we have a blast with it how far apart in age are you and your brother we're four years apart so um yeah he's he's my baby brother i still call him my baby brother even though he's you know 29 now but it's a uh, it was great, man. Growing up, our dad was a huge dogs fan. We were, I mean, we were just huge into sports, like our whole family. You know, we were we were pretty good baseball players. We weren't really big enough to be good or fast enough to be super good football players. <laughs> so, I mean, we grew up in Haversham County, and it's, uh, I don't know if you know where that's at, but it's like northeast corner of Georgia, beautiful mountains, you know, just scenic backdrop, Appalachian foothills. And it's just one of those towns, man, where it's like, it was sports and music like that was all there was to do that's kind of all we had you know and uh so we played baseball i played baseball all the way up into high school and really loved it but uh i played football too but i kept breaking stuff like break my hand break my leg break my arm and i i started playing guitar and i was like man if i'm gonna play guitar i kind of need my hands you know <laughs> yeah yeah absolutely <laughs> so was, i had to trade it in man i had to trade in the football for for the guitar and uh and started playing and and really like I would say like locked in, you know, focused in high school on like, okay, I'm going to start a band. I'm going to start writing songs. We're going to play some shows. And we got pretty good, man. And like, you know, we had a little following. We were touring all around. Like, you know, Athens was probably like where we kind of got our start. We were playing every little club. I remember going 
like we have class on a Friday, you know, uh, in high school, we drive down to Athens on a Thursday night because, you know, the town would stay up until 2 a.m. And yeah. we could play clubs down there, you know, we could play clubs and our parents would uh, would go with us, you know, to like kind of supervise. And we'd go and we'd play these little like kind of just dingy bars. Like we used to play this place that was literally in just a basement and there'd be like 40, 50 people on, you know, a Thursday night in Athens and we were playing for tips, like, you know, no guarantee, hauling our gear. And uh, it was cool, man. It was like, I, I fell in love with that city and knew I had to go to school there because to me it was like, wow, like this, like you could play music here every night and like build a following. And, you know, there's so many great bands like REM and, you know, the B-52s and even like in modern day, like country artists who've come through Athens is kind of like that foundation, the building block to get them to where they were going. And that's what it really was to me, man. And it started in high school and really just built all the way through college. And uh, I just fell in love with Athens and the whole vibe and, and game days too, man. I mean, it was, you know, to be able to be there and catch some game days when we didn't have shows in the weekend was just like something we'll remember forever, you know? Yeah. So I have two part follow-up question that, cause I know what you're like, y'all were like an hour from Athens, right? Where y'all grew yeah. up. I mean, not, not far, yeah, not far. Yeah. So in, in some ways in your backyard, right? So, so a yeah. natural, a stepping stone to, to, to end up in Athens, but I, I want to kind of, circle back to the music piece of it. D did you grow up in a family of musicians? Like what drew you to music? What drew you to, to playing the guitar? How did it all, what was the genesis of that? No, nah, man, I really didn't. You know, my parents were just music lovers. I mean, my mom could play a little piano. She'd play piano in our church choir. And, uh, but she, you know, she didn't play much. She wasn't, she never really considered herself like much of a musician. She could just kind of pick it up and, and, you know, play some gospel songs. And I grew up just kind of watching her do that and thinking like, man, that's cool. Like you know, I'd sit with my guitar next to her and try to figure out the chord she was playing. And I kind of taught myself by ear how to play guitar. And uh, my dad was just a huge music lover. Like music was always around, you know, it was, you know, my dad had a record player where he would break out like old, you know, Led Zeppelin, ZZ Top, but even like Hank Jr. and Steve Earle, like records. And so that was kind of like our thing. Like that was how we kind of bonded. Like we just loved listen to music and dad would tell me about like the history of these artists and like where they were from and like he knew all that so he was just he was kind of like a musicologist right like he was like he knew the history of a lot of these things and was just into it and then my mom uh you know knew enough to be able to show me a few things and i just kind of took it from there but now we really didn't have many musicians in our family we just fell in love with it and me and my brother uh, it was our thing too, right? Like it was kind of like started as a hobby, like something we would do together. He would play the drums. I had a guitar. Like we, you know, kind of bang around on some things and annoy our parents for hours on end. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, but now nah, it, it just kind of, it was something that we fell in love with. And, uh, and writing songs too for me was like a big thing. Like I always, it was always kind of in me. I didn't really know it till older, you know, looking back, I was like, I was always that kid, like I had acoustic guitar every campfire, every party we had growing up, you know, every birthday party, every whatever. And I'd go around, like I'd make up silly songs about like my friends, you know, and like just kind of like freestyle. And I think I just always had like kind of a little bit of an interest in writing songs and like kind of coming up with things, like making melodies into my own thing and saying, you know, making words like totally out of nowhere, just out of thin air, like making a song. Like that was just such a cool concept to me to create a song, you know, that wasn't there, you know, a few hours ago. And so um, we just really got serious with it, man. And like into high school and college, especially like at Georgia, uh, I was in the music business program there and was just surrounded with like a lot of great business minds that kind of like made me look at music a little bit differently, not only as like a hobby and just something fun, you know, and passionate that I like to do, but like you could make a living doing this. Like if you're smart and you know your brand and you know your target audience and, and you know, how to write music your fans are going to love. Like you can make a living doing this. And I think in college, like that really became a focus for me. It was like, man, like if I'm going to do this, it's not only going to be a passion. Like I got to look at it as a business and a brand and UGA like really helped me do that, man. Otherwise I, I don't know if it ever would have translated to that next level. I might've just been like, you know, like a, a lot of times like loving something and being passionate about something's not enough. Like you have to put the wheels in motion, you know, to get to that next level. So when you were considering college, being that Athens and UGA were an hour away, was that always number one with a bullet on the list for where you wanted to go do your undergrad work? Or 
were there other places you were looking at and, and, and it really came down to, well, when I weigh the options, UGA is the best one. And to kind of follow up on what you talked about, were the business music offerings part of that decision or is that something you kind of came to and learned about once you got to Athens? No, man, Georgia was always top of my list. I mean, obviously, you know, just because I wanted to be a part of that legacy was part of that, like being a Bulldog fan growing up, like the whole atmosphere. But to me, it really did make sense, like career wise, too, because like a great music town, yeah, uh, a lot of places that you can play, you know, even on like school nights, you can go out and play a bar and like, in you know, maybe grow your fan base by a few hundred people or go, you know, play a fraternity show or a sorority show or a you know, Georgia theater, like working your way up to playing the Georgia theater. Like that was always in the back of my mind. Like this is a great like testing ground to kind of start building an audience. Uh, but also like school itself, man, like I knew I needed like a strong business degree to be able to like run things the way I wanted to. And like Georgia's one of the best in the world, you know, as you know, I mean, it's just Terry is a great business school there. And, um, and they really, when I was in high school and I was kind of starting to think about it, there wasn't really like a music business focus yet, but I went my first year, I went to a local college in Demarest uh, called Piedmont college, just mm -hmm. to kind of get my feet under me to get some like, you know, just like those freshman electives out of the way. Cause I knew like Georgia, like I'm going to be in classes with five, 600 people and I wanted to kind of ease my way into it. And my band was all still up here in Haversham County. So it gave us another year to kind of like, you know, really like, you know, woodshed a little bit and write some songs and keep touring and doing some things. So uh, when I did go down to Georgia, I got a call from a guy named Bruce Birch who had just headed up the music business program and God rest his soul, Bruce, such a great guy. But he was really like kind of reaching out to other artists in the area that he thought would be a good fit for the program. And he had grown it at Kennesaw State, but he had just been asked to come be the director at Georgia. So he was just down there, like kind of getting his feet wet and reached out to me and let me know like, hey, we, you know, I think you'd be a good fit for this program. So that was another just huge, like check off the list. Like, man, this is going to be perfect. Um, and then the stars just kind of aligned. But I actually tried to go to Georgia my freshman year. I applied, you know, straight out of high school and didn't get in because it was just like crazy. Com I mean, crazy competitive. Yeah. People don't understand. A lot of people don't understand how hard it is to get into Georgia, man. Like I, I had friends that were getting into Stanford and, you know, MIT and everywhere, but would get denied from Georgia just because it's just, there's so many people that want to go to UGA. So it was, uh, it was, it was really cool when I finally did get down there though, um, to, to get in that program. And it just really kind of, it helped me feel like I have a little bit of an edge on everybody else. Cause like, man, like there's not many colleges that offer something like this. It's this specific to like what I wanted to do, you know? talked on it too. talk about the ultimate internship opportunity, right? Yeah. To be in Athens and to have all of these venues at your fingertips to go and test your craft and kind of almost use it as an incubator to see, Hey, look, if we're putting this out here, how, what's the response we're getting? You know, how can we tweak this to get a better response? Like, did you find that to be your experience? Oh yeah, man. It was great. I mean, we, we got our hands dirty. I mean, we got in there. We, I mean, I interned at venues. I helped sell merch. Like I would go out, like, actually it was funny. You had Colt Ford on your podcast. Colt's a buddy of mine. And one of my first internships was interning for Colt, like just packing up merch. And he's based there in Athens. Like it was like grunt work, you know, and like go yeah. out to shows, like sell merch, but learning how, like, you know, how fans react to like certain merchandise. items, like how fans react in a live show setting, like how a door deal works at a venue. Like, how to collect money at the end of the night. Like what's your business manager doing? What's your tour manager doing? Like it helped me like kind of get in there and like gave me a good introduction to like, you know, the ins and outs of the business, uh, not just like being up on stage and singing. Like that's the fun part. Right. So to me, uh, yeah, it was a really huge asset to have, like to be there in Athens and surrounded with that. Um, and to learn so much from, I mean, David Barbie, who ended up taking over the program, uh, he was just like such a great mentor to me personally. And, and even though there was, I mean, I think there was 150 or 200 kids in that program. You just kind of felt like you were, you had your one-on-one -on -one time and could kind of like your professors were targeting your exact interests. And my goal was always to be a country singer. Like I wanted to graduate. I wanted to use Athens as a stepping stone to get to Nashville. Cause I knew that was the next step uh, in my journey, in my career. And it was great, man. I mean, I still, 
just cherish like those days in Athens. And, and my wife was down there too, who was my girlfriend at the time. So to me, like I just had a lot of like amazing family ties in that area. Did you know as soon as you got done with your degree that, hey, I'm, I'm packing the car and I'm going to Nashville, I'm going to give this a ride? Or was there a lull in between the two where you said, look, I just, I got to leap and try to make this happen. What was the, what was the time frame on that? I knew, man, I, th- I think it really hit me probably like sophomore or junior year that, okay, like if you're going to do country music, like Athens is, is great, but Nashville is, it's the Mecca, right? Like it's the mm-hmm. home of country music and it's, you know, it's a few hours up the road, still not too awful far from family. And so I really started preparing myself like junior, senior year to like, okay, where, what are some connections? And, and that's one thing I'll say about UGA too, like the connections they helped me make, like my professors, like with internships, like I was set up when I came to Nashville, like there was a nice little like click of like UGA grads there that had Mm -hmm. come up and were wanting to help like young kids coming out of Georgia, like kind of get a foothold in in Nashville. So without like my time there at UGA, like that would have not been possible. I would have just been going in there like, you know, completely. It was nice to have at least a little bit of a step up, but I, I really started preparing, man. And like, I knew I needed like I needed some material to take up there. Like I needed a, a nice, like well-produced, uh, you know, demo, an EP, something I could show to people. And my professor, Tom Lewis knew of a guy in town named Jim Hawkins who had a studio and it was actually, man, it was so sick. It was, it was off. It wasn't too far off Milledgeville. It was back kind of in like a residential neighborhood, but it was just like a little oasis of a studio. And they had cut like some original Almond Brothers records there. Like, oh, some that's demos cool. on, like, like you know rem type i mean just so cool like there's all kinds of little stories about things that happened there and we kind of had this whole space at our disposal because they knew you know my professors knew that i needed to like get in a studio and like experiment but i didn't have the money to do that obviously and like but this was a nice place man and and the owner jim hawkins like really let us get in there and just kind of play around for a few months and we came up with a pretty good five song EP. And like, even when I listen to it now, like, man, it still sounds good. You know? Yeah. I mean, it yeah. was professional. And so I took that up to Nashville and it was great to have that man to play for, you know, publishers and record labels and like, you know, to kind of like get a little bit of a start. Like I came in with music, like ready to go, you know, which was nice. So what was the path like once you got to Nashville? Was it, Hey, I'm going to knock on doors with the EP and I want somebody to, sign me as an artist or was it, Hey, I'll be just fine with, with getting a publishing deal and write. Like what, what did that look like? Yeah, man. I mean, I came in there all gung ho, you know, like a, you know, any, uh, anybody out of college does thinking like, man, like I'm going to go up here and get a record deal. Like it's not going to take long. Like I got a, I got a nice demo. Like, you know, I've got an internship. I was interning at like a local publisher that, um, you know, and I thought I'll just, you know, slip on my demo or something and maybe see if they could make some connections for me. And, it was not that easy. <laughs> you know, it, it started, uh, the internship was, I mean, it was, it was hard work, man. It was grunt work. It was unpaid. Uh, you know, I, I was crashing on a couch for like a hundred bucks, you know, a week on Craigslist. It was like, I was homesick, man. Like I'd never really been out of Georgia and I was playing like every little rider around every, uh, you know, any like little honky tonk on Broadway in Nashville that would let me come and do like a, couple hours and just literally living off a tip bucket like that was it like that was because i was interning during the day i'd go out at night try to make connections play a show play a writer's round uh and then you know also in that time trying to write new songs like trying to write new material and like collaborate with other you know people in town and just build a network and uh, i had this project this ep but like i was like honestly everybody told me like man you don't want to go into an internship and like be handing your demo around like this. It's not like, it's like very off limits in Nashville. Like to be, you just kind of have to wait for your moment, you know, and just, and just kind of bide your time. So I worked there for probably like four or five months. And, and one day I was, I was up front, like burning some CDs or something. And uh, Sarah Johnson, who's uh, actually just an amazing, she's, she was awesome. And uh, is now one of the heads of A&R in town and a big, big major record label. She was back there and she had a, a position at this company called Bug Publishing and it was late. I was burning. She's like, you're still here? And I was like, yeah, you know, I didn't get everything done. I'm just going to work a little late. 
And she started like kind of talking to me about why I'd come up to Nashville, what I did. And then it gave me like a nice open window to be like, well, I'm, you know, I'm obviously I'm a singer, you know, I, I do my own stuff and I'm looking to hopefully land a record deal one day and do the whole thing. And she's like, that's awesome. She's like, do you have anything I could hear? I was like, as a matter of fact, yes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> that was like kind of like, you know, the invitation to, uh, to play something for somebody. And she, and she liked this stuff enough to where she was like, I'm going to hook you up with uh, this lady named Leanne Phelan, who uh, was the head at the time of uh, ASCAP, the creative side of things. And ASCAP, if you guys don't know, it's like a, a PRO, we call them. They, they're kind of the ones that go out and collect money for songwriters and kind of help songwriters get you know, their start. Uh, and they had this new program uh, that was like a creative program for young artists, songwriters who were looking to just connect with other people in the industry where they would literally take you to a publisher and sit with you, do a full meeting, like hook you up with a meeting and, you know, let you play your music for like big time publishers that would in turn, you know, play these songs for record labels and things like that. So through that connection, uh, I ended up signing my first publishing deal. Um, and when I signed that publishing deal, it probably wasn't a month or two later that I ended up signing my first record deal. So it was like, it took a long time and it was like, but once the wheels, like it was like one little thing led to another. And then it just was all like, bang, bang. And before I knew it, we were on radio tour. Uh, we were out opening shows for, you know, Jason Aldean and I mean, Blake Shelton and just people that I would have never thought like, I mean, it was just surreal, you know, to be in front of 30,000 people. And as a new artist, like our fan base just really started growing and we just kind of have been touring and, you know, doing the thing ever since. And it was, uh, it's definitely not an easy journey, but it, and it's like, I mean, music is one of those things, man, being an artist is one of those things where it's like, it's never really the end of the journey. You're always like the next thing, the next album, the next project, but that's kind of what makes it exciting. And, and country fans are just, so great like they're really they really would have taken me this far man it's just like doing this for the fans like they to see these people come out night after night you know and stand in the rain at festivals when it's 100 degrees outside like country fans are just the best and it really did all start with that foundation down in athens georgia you know yeah i was gonna say you said it you said kind of all materializes kind of quickly but i mean everything you've told me throughout this entire story is it's all prep work right Oh yeah. I mean, that preparation was happening and happening and happening. And then when the opportunity presented itself, you're ready. Right. And I, I think that's a great story and a great lesson. Yeah, definitely, man. Yeah. And I, I always knew that, you know, my dad had always told me like, man, when there's a, when there's a crack in the door, like you, you don't just stick your toe in, like you got to be ready to kick it open. And so I was really trying to prepare for those opportunities so that when they did come, I didn't have somebody tell me, well, you know, I, I'd love to hear your stuff. Like, do you have a, a demo or whatever? It's like, well, no, I don't yet, but I'm saving up to make one and this and that. It's like, man, like that could be your chance. That could be the one chance that you have to play a song for somebody. Like, so if you're thinking a step or two ahead, like in any career, really not just music, it's like, I think that's always an advantage. And, um, and also just like kind of being able to see the big picture where you want to end up. I mean, to me, I always knew I wanted to do this. So, I was trying to take those steps early on to like become a better songwriter and work on our stage show and, and, you know, have a good show with our band guys and, uh, you know, treat our fans, go above and beyond, and, like treat our fans, like, you know, that they're like as special as they really, really are. And like, let them know that, like, these are things like I've always tried to do, but it's a battle, man. Like it's just, it's fun. It's so fun to see how things progress but it's so fun too to like think about the next step and like you're never you know that's the thing you're never quite satisfied like you, you what's the next thing like how can we grow this thing what, what how can we get uh you know more fans get this music out to more people so i don't know it's it's an exciting time for sure but um i i don't know man it's just it's a great career and uh i just i love country music i love country music fans during the journey so far tell me what uh well tell me two things what's your favorite memory with your brother going through this whole experience together. And then also what's your favorite venue that you've gotten to play while you've been out on the road? Oh, uh, favorite memory with brother, uh, Andrew, man, he, uh, his birthday is June 7th. So he always has, I feel like we always are touring like crazy in June, you know, June, July, August, like the summer's nuts. But, uh, right before COVID like 2019, uh, it was his birthday and we had a show, 
but the show was like for a private corporate event and it was down in the Cayman Islands. So he got to fly like first class into, uh, you know, the Cayman Islands, spend all day on the beach and play this like super cool laid back corporate show on his birthday. And I, I just never will forget like sitting on the beach with Andrew thinking like, man, like this is a birthday, dude. Like this is a birthday yeah. right here. You know, and I've always felt so guilty because he has to work on his pretty much every birthday since we were, you know, in high school. We've been playing shows, but it's like finally paid off, man. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, I love that. Oh, I absolutely love that. I just feel like that's a neat thing, a, kind of a neat dynamic for y'all to be able to not oh. just live in this experience as individuals, but to get to share it as brothers. You know, I just I think that's a cool thing. I have I have three older brothers, a younger brother, and a younger sister. So I understand kind of how special that would be to, to share something like that with a sibling. Oh man, family is, is what's kept me going this whole time, man. I mean, I always tell people like my family are a huge part, you know, not just who I am personally, but career wise. I mean, my brother being involved in the band for, you know, years and years now, my wife, you know, is a huge help. I mean, she goes out with my, with our three-year-old daughter. I take them on the road with me and like we get to experience these places together, you know, and it becomes more than just a career. When you do that, it becomes like a real life experience and it makes it so much sweeter, man. Like it's, I've done it. I've been out there by myself on the road, you know, before it's, it's just not the same. It can get, can get lonely. Like even though it's, it's fun and you've got fans and you're going from city to city, but man, it's like, you can be surrounded by so many people and just miss those people back home so much. And there's, you know, no worse feeling than that. So to be able to share, now at a stage in our career where we can share that with our families and like take them out with us. And, you know, my mom and my dad sometimes will just like jump on the bus and go with us too. Like, it's awesome. Like it's such yeah. a cool, I just feel so blessed to have that. So yeah, you, you said it, man, like having family really does make, uh, it makes the journey so much better. All right. Final question before we do the smart 16 with you, we ask all of our guests this, how has the university of Georgia, influenced you and prepared you for the path that you've gone down professionally? Oh man, I think you said it earlier. I think preparation, just like being a step ahead, like not waiting for things to come to you, but just being proactive and knowing that, like, you know, if you've got a dream, if you've got a goal that you're trying to accomplish, like get ahead of it, like, like prepare now, like don't wait. And all, I mean, Georgia was so great about that. It wasn't really just one you know professor in particular. It was, it was just the whole experience. It, you know, you're packed in there with thousands of other kids. Like it's highly competitive. Like you have to, in order to kind of rise to the top to, you know, the, to be the cream, like you have to really fight and scrape and claw. And like, I think it's a good lesson uh, for life, for the work environment, for whatever you're chasing. Like it's competitive. It's hard. Like you have to be able to do things that other people aren't willing to do and work and put in that extra time. And I think that, uh, you know, my parents really instilled a good work ethic in me and I have them to thank for that. But I think I have Georgia, too. I mean, it was it was hard down there. And it was it, I always kind of look at that time, those those years down there as like a little bit of a gauntlet, you know, to kind of go through like away from home the first time. Like you're out there, like you kind of feel like you're hanging on a limb, like you don't have your parents to fall back on. You don't have a support system. You're having to make all new friends. And and it just felt, I, you know, fish out of water. But it was so good for me to feel that way because it inspired me like creatively inspired me to work, you know? All right. We want to close with you. We're going to do the smart 16. We do it with all of our guests, just kind of 16 somewhat quick hitting questions. Okay. And uh, in honor of coach smart and the number that he wore when he was playing for the dogs back yeah. in the nineties. <laughs> so uh, first question, what's your middle name? Lee L E E Lee, which is my dad's name. So yeah, John Lee King. Yeah. I love that. Okay. Who's your favorite dog of all time? Oh, I think that my favorite bulldog is AJ Green. And I'll tell you why, just very quickly. When I was at Georgia, he was there and he had, he was a year behind me, but we were on the East West bus, which if, if you know, if you, if you went to Georgia, you know how the bus system operates. And I was like trying to sprint from chemistry to get down to like, to, or get, uh, I think I was trying to get up to uh, uh, Terry College of Business. So I had a long ride. And I'm like sprinting to catch the bus and I jump on and like go to the very back and there's a seat kind of next to somebody's the only one available. I just like sit down. I was like out of breath, like sweating. And I look over <laughs> and AJ Green's sitting right there in the seat. I mean, he just, you know, he's like six foot five, you know, just huge, just imposing. Just, I was like, man, like this guy's like a specimen, a physical specimen. 
And I just started talking to him. I was like, I was a little starstruck. I was like, dude, you're, you're AJ Green, aren't you? He's like, yeah, man, nicest guy in the world. And we had like the coolest, like 15 minute conversation about him growing up in South Carolina and kind of what brought him there and his family and his history. And it was, it was just really cool, man, to, to talk to somebody like that, like an athlete who was so down to earth and who was just an absolute savage on the field, you know, but such a sweet guy in real life. So I think AJ, for that reason, just having that, that personal connection to him has been really cool. I love that. Yes. You mentioned he grew up in South Carolina. I told you when we got on that, that my wife and I lived here in Charleston and he went to yeah. Somerville high school yep. right outside of Charleston. So yeah, had yeah. a great, had a great career there. They had a coach there. Hope I don't mess this up. I think it was coach McKissick. He was there for, I think almost 40 years. And if I'm, remembering this correctly he is the south carolina high school uh, record holder for career wins as a high school football coach so Man, yeah he, he was just, and aj was just one of those guys in the field that he was just so electric like every anytime yeah. the ball was in his vicinity you just knew special things were going to happen and he was also there at the time uh with and i will say along with aj my other favorite georgia player because it, he's a good buddy of mine to this day and, and like family to me tavares king uh, went to Habersham County High School, graduated the same high school as I did. He was a year behind me as well. And the whole time he was there in Athens, like it was like having a family. We had grown up playing football together and playing sports and knew each other's families. And uh, Tavar and, and we always say we're cousins, Tavares King. So he's a king too. So, oh, that's cool. Uh, so, yeah. So Tavares was there too with AJ. And uh, and they that wide receiving, that core they had in those years, which would be like, you know, 20, what would that be? Like 2010, 11, 12, like yeah. kind of in that range, you know? Yep. It was just, it was exciting. And you, and you had Stafford too. I mean, you had Matthew Stafford throwing to those guys. You know? Yeah. Oh, that's really cool. I didn't realize that. That's, that's awesome. Yeah, he had a God. He had a great career too. I mean, there yep. there was there was so much good wide receiver talent then, and then Stafford leads in with a year gap right into Aaron yep. Murray, and like I mean, gosh, what, what a what a set of years that was. All right, it's cool to look same- back. At, it's cool to look back and see how that's built up to what it is now. This whole program, man, it's been a I mean a several decade process to get to this point, and that's what's so fun to watch, you know. Yeah, it's neat, and and your stories I think are neat too because it's. It's symbolic of what makes rooting for, I think, a college team special because, you know, AJ and Tavares were, they were yeah. your classmates. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like th- there's something different than that with, I think, rooting for professional teams, just oh, a yeah. different dynamic, different experience. For sure. So what is your favorite Georgia game that you've ever experienced? Oh man. I think it had to be, even though I wasn't there, just it's probably the environment we were watching the Rose Bowl game where Georgia came back. Something about that game, man. Like I get chills just thinking about it, talking about it. Like the Baker Mayfield game, like where I, I don't know, it, it, they just felt like they had it. They thought they had us and like they were getting a little cocky. And then we come out and just completely turn the whole switch on. I mean, it was it was just absurd to come back. And to me, I felt like that is kind of where the whole program just flipped. Like like we yeah. had the confidence to know that game was just special in some ways. We'd gone from, you know, winning some SEC championships to like doing some big, but like we won that game, even though we didn't go on to win the championship that year, it just felt like now we're close. Like now we have the confidence and sure enough, man, like from that point forward, I feel like we've just really been dominant. Like since that game, (laughs) that's a really great point. I've never thought of it that way, but in so many ways, that was a big flag in the ground type game. Yeah. That hey, on a national scene, we're here and we're not going anywhere. And I think too, it being on that stage at the Granddaddy yeah. Mall in Pasadena, I think that added to it because there were so many eyeballs on it. Uh, but yeah, that, that's a magical one for sure. And I think with just all the the mythos that goes along with that, you know, it's, it, yeah. it was that, that's a special one for sure. I, I love that choice. It was okay, cool. what what is your favorite rivalry that the dogs have? Hmm. Uh, Florida, Georgia, Florida. I, I, I've just been in the middle of that rivalry. We've gone to so many games down there and it's just, man, it's a different type of, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot, it's a tough game. I mean, if you haven't been like, things can get ugly. Like I've seen fights break out. I've seen like people get really, you know, it's a, it's a football game. I mean, let's, let's not kid ourselves. It's football, but people are passionate about that rivalry and, and also just how far that dates back. And also like, it's just, 
very different fan bases, very mm-hmm. different teams. You know, I mean, it's just, uh, I don't know, I, I guess. And also, you know, coming along, like when I was in college, like Tebow was at Florida. So right. we, we were going down to these games. Like Florida was really on like a, a high then of like winning some national championships, thought they were like better than Georgia. And then we had that one game where we went down there. I think it was the black. Was it the blackout game? Uh, well, it was the game we went down there and ended up beating Tebow. Do you remember that game? Yeah. And so same same season as the blackout same at season. home. But, yeah, that was a huge win because, I mean, you, to your point, Tebow had been there. They had been dominating. Yeah. And that was a massive, massive win and in some ways a season turner that year. So, yeah, that was a great one. It's a great rivalry, man. It's just, uh, I don't know, it's like, I feel like with some of the other rivalries like Auburn and Tech, like there, there's kind of like a camaraderie in, in a way, but like Florida is just like some good old fashioned hate, man. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we certainly feel that way. That, that's our favorite for sure. And I, you know, we've told a, many of our guests this, we thought that would be the overwhelming answer, yeah. but Auburn has been a huge answer. And oh, yeah. the more people have talked about it and explained the choice, the more I get it because you have like, cousins that are going there and siblings that are going there and so yeah that those have been the two the two big ones for sure and way less way less georgia tech than we expected yeah so. yeah georgia tech is not not so much i mean i know that they've had some great years in the past but now the one is probably bama right like georgia bama yeah. is really in the last decade or so become a massive rivalry and for us like my wife's my wife's brother went to Bama so that one was always kind of a rivalry for us yeah, because yeah. we like to sort of ham it up but uh, we never really played each other unless it was maybe once every couple of years we might play each other or playoffs now the playoffs have opened up a mass or the SEC championship so unless you saw them at the, in the championship or the playoffs it just it wasn't as big of a deal but now man like that we're seeing each other every year in the playoffs pretty much it's that's a big one yeah yeah Okay, what is your favorite away stadium in the Southeastern Conference? Oh, that's tough. Um, man, uh, I mean, I don't know. It, it's pretty cool to go to Bama. It's pretty cool to go to Tuscaloosa. Well, that's not really in our in the East Side Conference, but oh, that's okay. I we have a lot of people pick. We have a lot of people pick LSU. So you can pick anybody you want. <laughs> okay, I didn't know if it needed to be in the East only. Yeah. No, I, I would say Tuscaloosa is a cool environment. Like. I don't know. There's just so much, you know, there's so much history down there at that stadium that it's a cool place to be, to, to visit. But I mean, as far as like just beautiful fields, I mean, Auburn has a great fit. I mean, Auburn's beautiful. Um, I don't know. And outside of that, outside of SEC Clemson, I love going to Clemson. They have a cool campus there. Yeah. And I love Georgia Clemson games. I always feel like Georgia and Clemson are kind of like a lot, kind of like with Auburn, like a lot of families are going to Clemson that are also yep. Georgia fans. So there's like a good camaraderie, with Clemson and Georgia, you know? So you talked about Colt earlier, and that was his answer. Georgia Clemson's his favorite rivalry. And he said, you know, when he was growing up, they played pretty much every year. And his mama is a huge Clemson fan. So growing up, <laughs> he said they had um, they had like a Clemson Tiger and a Georgia Bulldog that were like mantle ornaments. And whoever won the game that year got to put the ornament on the mantle like for the year. That's funny, dude. The house divided. Yeah. So he told a story one year about Clemson had won and his daddy was so fired up. He said the next year the the Clemson Tiger statue had had disappeared. They couldn't find it. I just love that. Yeah, I love that. Okay, what is the loudest home game you've ever attended at Sanford Stadium? Man, I thought my eardrums were gonna rupture uh, at the it would have been let's see, it would have been Probably 20 – it was the Auburn game of 2011, I guess, 2011. Yeah, maybe 2012. And it was the one where uh, – shoot, I'm trying to think who was playing at that time. The, it was a tight game, man. And I just remember for whatever reason it was – I think it was a day game on Saturday, and it was beautiful, and it was a tight game, and we ended up taking it. And it was the loud – I mean, the celebration just didn't stop. Like, it, it wasn't one of those, like – like we won and everybody kind of clears out. It just was loud for like hours. And even walking out of the parking lot, like everybody was just so fired up to beat Auburn that year. And uh, so, yeah, I think the Auburn-Georgia rivalry was one of the loudest things I've ever heard. The only thing that's rivaled that would be uh, when the Falcons beat the Packers uh, to go to the – 
to go to the Super Bowl, and that would have been when we blew it against the Patriots. But that yeah. game leading up to that, we were there at the old stadium. Uh, yeah, the, the old Georgia Dome, yeah. And that was the only thing that I've heard sporting-wise that's been louder than a Georgia game. It, it, it was yeah. – you're in a dome, though, so it doesn't quite count. Like, you're not outside. <laughs> no, we'll take that. I get that. Yeah, we, we thought that. I thought – I thought Georgia Dome was loud, and I thought that the Benz is loud too. The couple times that we've been there, so that's a cool venue yeah. too. Cool, yeah, venue. it really is. Um, okay, this one you can give two answers on because the obvious answer is, is going to be yourself. So we're going to l- allow you two answers on this. You get to choose the headlining act at the Georgia Theater. <laughs> Who do you choose? <laughs> yeah, I, I love the Georgia Theater. I mean, I'll, I'll take any chance to play there. But man, if I'm going to a show like. Um, Man, I always wanted to see one of my favorite bands, and they're a Georgia band, uh, and they play the theater quite a bit. This band called Blackberry Smoke. Have you ever heard of these guys? They're like a Southern uh, rock band. No, I have to check them so, out. They're so cool, man. Like they just have a vibe to them, and they're based in Atlanta, but they play the theater all the time, at least once a year. And I've always told myself, I'm going to go catch a show there and see them because I haven't been to the theater since the last time we played, which was probably. I mean, it's been four or five years now, which reminds me we need to get a show down there. I'm glad you said this. <laughs> yeah, yeah, heck yeah. <laughs> I mean, honestly, dude, anybody in the theater, I mean, some of my favorite memories. I mean, our first show there that we ever played, we were opening for Kip Moore, uh, who's a great country artist. And it just has it. That was the old Georgia Theater. And then yeah. it burnt down and they built it back even stronger. And the last time we played it, it sounded just amazing. It was so good. Oh, I love that. Well, we'll... Uh... You get them on the docket, and then right. we'll come, and we'll pub it all week on the podcast. So That's got, make, let's do it. Make, make that happen. <laughs> let's do it. All right. Speaking of the Georgia-Florida game, what is the cocktail that you're mixing for the world's largest outdoor cocktail party? Mm, well, dude, for me, it's like a liquid IV with water because it's usually hot as heck down there. <laughs> That's so I'm, just trying to, I'm just trying to stay hydrated. Uh, and la- I mean, honestly, the last time we went, man, I, we sweated and, you know, we camped. We stayed on St. Simon's, you know, yeah. and just got like eat up by mosquitoes, you know, so we were yeah. like roughing it. And this was in the college days. So it was like, I mean, we were, you know, just sleeping in tents and get, getting up the next day and like, we were cooking hot dogs over a campfire before the game, oh, yeah. you know, oh, you yeah. know? Love in that. like 95 yeah. degree heat. Just lo- I mean, looking back, it's, those are such great memories, man. So I, we do need to go to another game though. It's, it's been so long. We didn't get to catch any of the last two seasons. And, um, and I haven't been to Athens and, you know, I think our last show in Athens was 2019. So uh, I would love to get there, but yeah, we need to get back down to the cocktail party too. <laughs> Well, let us know. We're always looking for an excuse to go to the cocktail party. It's our that's our favorite. I I've always tell my wife, my it should be a national holiday that weekend. It's the greatest weekend. It really should. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's my favorite. Okay. <laughs> speak, speaking of the classic city, you're back in Athens for one meal. What's your favorite place to eat in Athens? Ooh. Oh man, there were so many good places and probably a lot that aren't even there anymore that I grew up loving and, and going to college. Um Man, there was a great jerk chicken place. It was called Kelly's. You know what I'm talking about? They had- so we had, I think, Seth Emerson on, and I think he talked about Kelly's too. Like I said, phenomenal jerk chicken. Oh, it was amazing. And like I say, I haven't been there now, you know, in, in what, three years or so. So I don't even know if it's there anymore. But I, God, I hope it is because it was, yes, Jamaican place. And the first time I went there, I thought, like, I didn't even know what to expect. I'd never had Jamaican food. Like, I've never been to Jamaica. Like, there's, it's just not like – a restaurant you really hear about, but it was interesting to have like that style of cuisine, but it was like this like amazing, like, like marinated, hot, spicy grilled chicken. Like it was so good. So yeah, I would say, I think Kelly's became like one of our favorite places and it was cheap too. And you're a college kid, dude, you're on that budget. (laughs) That's right. That's right. That's important. That's a good factor. (laughs) Okay. Do you have any game day superstitions as a fan or even show superstitions, like things you have to do on a day you have a show? Man, not really. I, I, I try to th- like. I don't have like a special shirt or anything. I gotta wear. I, I I think the only thing that we'll do like is if we're just like getting creamed or something. Like the game's going horribly. Like we'll like let's like swap some seats or something. Like let's yeah. everybody everybody do musical chairs. Let's all move <laughs> <Yeah>. around. <laughs> yeah, just yeah, change gotta, it up. That's right. You gotta change the momentum a little bit. Got to do something. I'm, I'm with that. Yeah, we're we're prone to do some things like that. Like maybe change the hat positioning, go backwards to forwards, right. so, something like that. So I'm yes. here for that. 
All right. What is your favorite Sanford Stadium pregame tradition, whether it's dog walk or lone trumpeter or, you know, uh, Bob O'Reilly? What's your favorite thing mm. pregame? Yeah, I, I, dude, I think this, I think I love how they brought in Bob O'Reilly and made it their thing. Like, and that started happening like right around the time we were there at school and they just adopted that. And it's just such a good like pump up song. And even when you're watching the games, like you just feel like you're in the stadium for a minute when they play yeah. that. And yeah. now I can't hear the who, I can't hear the who and not think of Athens, which is kind of a weird association because they're from like Great Britain, but it's like, I feel like yeah. I'm in Athens when I hear the who. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. Yeah. Some people said like, it's so random that Bob O'Reilly became the thing, but like it is people like they, they yeah. associate it now. It's really okay. Cool. Black jerseys. Yes or no? Man, probably no, because I feel like that year we did the blackout against Bama and then they, it just like really backfired on us. I've always <laughs> had that bad taste. I mean, they look cool. Like they look yeah. amazing, but I don't know, man. I feel like we kind of cursed them then, but we brought them back in one sense. Right. I mean, I feel like we did the, we won. So maybe it's yeah. Probably- so Kirby, I think is undefeated in them. They, right. they wore them, but I mean the first couple games they wore them for were games they should have won. But then in the COVID year, they wore them uh, against Mississippi state and won right. in a night game. And then they wore them for the peach bowl against Cincinnati. And there has been some smoke that they may wear them for the opener against Oregon. So we'll see Ooh. if that happens or not, but that's well, been, uh, I think that's been they're- floated. They're they're getting the, the the bad taste out of our mouth for that loss that they you know and they yeah. the Pama loss really hurt and I think people like for a while were like a little bit leery of the black jerseys because yep. of that you know hundred hundred percent yep hundred we're moving on we're moving on from that <laughs> that's right that's right okay what is the loss you're still not over uh man probably that national championship where we were what two three yards away like we had it like we were just so close it would have been great too for those guys because that was a great team. That was yeah. a great team, you know, and I would have loved for those guys to to have it. But, I mean, it, it made this year that much sweeter that we've been so close, but it still hurts, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay, we changed this one. This question used to be what's your order at the varsity, but they closed the varsity in Athens, so we're not going to ask it again until they reopen. So Man. we switched it to how do you take your hash browns at the Waffle House? Oh my goodness, dude. Uh, I load them up, man. I, I, I like my crispy and I, I just tell them to throw everything they got on them, man. Like if I'm going to, if you're going to eat at Waffle House, you're going to eat, uh, you know, some unhealthy hash browns, like you might as well just go for it. You know, so you're, so you're, so you're an all the way guy. I'm all the way. I'm a hundred percent behind that. I, I'm, I like that. Yeah. 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 So we had, uh, we had, who do we have? Coach Rick came on and said, I just take them, I just take them straight. Just playing. We were like, Coach, we got to, we got to fix you on this. Nothing on that. Just potatoes. Come on, yeah. man. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Coach, you got to get you some fixings on there or something. So, yeah. All right. There ought to be a constitutional amendment outlawing noon kickoffs. Yes or no? Mm. I don't know. I like, I like early games, man. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm an early riser. And something's kind of fun about a, a middle of the day game because, like, I associate that with like, okay, like if we're on the road or something. Probably I'm a little biased towards that because we have night shows. So if it's a new yeah. game, I'm like, I can catch the whole game before the show. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I get that. I think that's a that's a that's a fair answer based on that. You, you, you can catch the whole game. I'm that's a little selfish that. of me. That's a little selfish. That's okay. You're allowed to have a selfish answer to that kind of question. <laughs> All right, last question. Um, college football playoff expand or find how it is i think expand man because i I get i get bummed out like hearing people talk about you know well if this team was in it like it would have been different like they would have run the table like just let them in like let's let let's let the best teams in there and let's win and and honestly like i think that that's good for a lot of programs like you never know what's it's going to mix it up it's probably going to keep it from getting a little bit monotonous with the same three, four, five teams that every year you're seeing in there. And I hope Georgia's one of those teams for, for many, many years to come. But uh, yeah, I, I like seeing Georgia too. I like seeing them play different teams. Like I like seeing play against Cincinnati. Like, cause we, we don't really know what to expect. Like it's kind of interesting to see. Uh, I still think we'll dominate those teams. Like I really do. I still think SEC is like, it's just a, a superior league. And like, it, it, I think it has been for some time, but why not? Like, what's it going to hurt, you know? Yeah, my answer has evolved on this. And I think where I sit now is I am good with expansion if round one of the expanded pool is on campus. 
So we get yeah. one playoff game on campus and hopefully from our perspective, one playoff game between the hedges. I think that would be such a neat dynamic and just an electric environment. Oh, that'd have. be great. Yeah. So so that, that's kind of where I'm at on it. And I'm with you, man. I hope George is part of that picture for a long time coming. And I think as long as Kirby's there and as long as the administration stays supportive, which I don't anticipate they won't be. Yeah. I think they're they're going to be a stalwart for a long time. I mean, when you recruit like they do, man, I mean, it's just been amazing to watch Kirby and his staff, like what they've been able to do in the recruiting trail. And like, they, it just like seems like every year just is stronger than the last. So yeah, it's exciting, man. It's exciting time to be a dog. And uh, you've got me wanting to go to Athens now, dude. I'm ready to go. I'm ready to go. I can't believe the varsity's not open though. I'm bummed, man. <laughs> I know. I hate to be the bearer of bad news. We were bummed too, man. Cause I, you know, I need to go in there and get my water you have and get me an FO and the whole thing. Right. So <laughs> I'm missing <laughs> Well, look, John, we appreciate the time, man. Please tell everybody listening, A, how they can follow you, and B, how they can support you, whether that's where they can come see you on the road this summer or how they can grab your music. Yeah, man, we're, we're kicking off a summer tour. Uh, this week, we're heading out to do dates all over the Midwest. We're doing the West Coast, but then we're working our way back. So we're always around the Southeast. Like We try to do several Georgia shows every year, South Carolina, North Carolina. So if you go to johnkingcountry.com, our tour schedule is on there. Uh, if you're on social media, follow me. It's always at John King Country. Uh, and then if you're listening anywhere, Spotify, Apple, Pandora, just search John King. We've got a new album out. Check it out. Send me a DM. Like, I love hearing from fans. Like, I love talking and getting to know fans and seeing them out at shows. So, uh, man, thank you so much for having me, dude. This has been a blast. <laughs> yeah, John, we appreciate it, man. Well, look, everybody, we'll put all that information in the show notes. Make sure and follow John on all the socials. Grab the album, rock the music. I am uh, my my two favorites I've kind of had on repeat in the kitchen are Your Man. I'm dancing my wife with it. Yeah, That's a fantastic dude. one. Yeah, and then uh, Prettiest Girl in the Room I also like because it makes me think of my wife too. So dude, I dig you. both of those. Those are two yeah. of my favorites too, man. Yeah, those yeah. those are the ones I wrote about my girls. And uh, I mean, I, I can tell you're a family guy too. I mean, to me, it's like the most important thing in the world yeah. far, far above and beyond. So yeah, we got to get the families together sometime, man. Maybe catch a game. Yeah, we'd love that, brother. We'd love that, John. Well, look, we'll um, we'll talk with you soon and much success this summer. And in the meantime, go dogs. Go dogs, man. Thank you so much. Y'all have a great week. Hey, George is better now.